Hi everyone, welcome to One Question with Pastor Adam. This is season three episode, I think it's episode three. So uh, there you go. Welcome everybody. I am Adam. I am pastor to believers and doubters to faithful atheists and unfaithful Christians. And here at One Question with Pastor Adam, we are not afraid of questions. All questions are up for grabs. And so thank you for being here. If you have comments or questions and you're watching the live show, you can put those in the chat section. And if you are listening to the podcast, God bless you. Thank you for being here. And um, yeah, you're awesome. And hey, if you could leave me a review on whatever podcast thing you're on, That'd be fantastic. I'd love it. And uh, here we are today, bringing back our special guest. I think I think that this guy is uh, one of one of my best friends who's in on the Christian conspiracy to do good, to do better. And uh, Matthew DiStefano has been on the podcast three times before. Uh, I think, and he is a lot of fun. Just a warning to you if you are watching this with kids uh, and or listening to this on the podcast with kids and you're in the car, um, there may be some cussing. I mean, we're going to get to it right off the bat, really. So if you are not wanting your kids to learn language that you have probably already taught them, let's be honest, um, <laughs> on this podcast, uh, yeah, just just move on to something else and come back. So Janice, welcome. The podcast, Janice, is called One Question with Pastor Adam, and you can find it wherever you listen to your podcast. So uh, without any further ado, let's bring in my dear friend, Matthew DiStefano. Here he comes. Hi, Jeff and Lita. And hi, Matthew. What's up? How you How doing, are you? man? I'm well. How are you? I'm doing good. I'm, it's always good to talk with you. Always fun to talk with you. You are sporting the Whitney Houston shirt, so I'm I'm digging yep. it. Digging it. Yeah, going nice vintage. Yes. Um, I love that. I love that my introduction includes a warning to get your kids out of the room. Hey, get kids out of the room because this is this is grown up conversation. Only in that we are going to talk about how not to be a dick. That's the main yeah. question today. Yeah, so, so, um, and hey, it's good to have this conversation today. Yeah, because your book is what is the title of your book? I got it right here. Awesome. Let's it's see. Called it. Don't be a dick. Don't be and a other dick. and other sound advice. It's uh, it's yes. <laughs> I like how you how you framed that subtitle. That's awesome. So, well, so well, that's actually the full title. The subtitle is sixty nine practical ways of making the world a kinder, more loving place. It's good to be a kinder, more loving place. It and is. my yeah. inner middle schooler wants to ask you so many questions about that oh, subtitle. Bring it, but we bring will it just on. we will just move on. That's <laughs> fantastic. So I am glad that we are having this conversation today. And friends, if you've got questions or comments, uh, Jeff says Matthew with an exclamation point. I think that means that he's happy to see you. I sure hope not, so. You know, exclamation points are always this is part of why it's so difficult to not be a dick on social media because the exclamation point, you never know what it means. It Mm. could mean Matthew, I'm so angry at you. Or it could be, yay, Matthew. That's awesome. So you have uh, a section in the book about social media and we're going to get to that. Uh, But today is transgender day of visibility. Okay. And tragically uh, Christians tend to be the most 
let's just go with the theme, dickish towards our transgender siblings, often in the name of religion. And yeah. so I wanted to bring you in on this as somebody who has done so much work on Christianity and trying to bring us to a better to a better kind of Christianity, especially when it comes to our LGBTQ siblings. So yeah. maybe the first question we should ask is how do we not be, how do we move, how do we, how do we embrace our transgender siblings and not use religion as an excuse to be dicks to them? Oh, wow. That's a tough question. Um, I think that everything, no matter what we're talking about, starts with empathy and mm. compassion and not being quick to have a hot take and and like uh, i'll, I'll this will make sense in a second but like take for instance the will smith and the chris rock thing my stance on it was can we just not have like a hot take right this second just observe right especially if you're not black so I, that was my that was my stance like just observe just observe and we have a hard time doing that we have a really hard time doing that and so we we tend to as human beings like speak out against like everything we have to have an opinion on everything right now and a lot of christians either don't know transgender folks or they do but they but they don't really they might they might or, or, or maybe they haven't come out to them because they're not safe places yeah right so but they haven't befriended transgender folks they don't listen to them they don't talk to them they don't get to know them but they have a hot take and, and, and they have the, they have everything backwards. They, they, we need to be more empathetic and compassionate towards, especially things that we don't know, especially things we don't know about. And, and in Christianity, you know, we, we put, we put the doctrines and the dogma before the relationships. So mm -hmm. it's orthodoxy. And I don't know how transgender subverts orthodoxy, but in their mind, it does. They put that before orthopraxy, the practice of Christianity. And see, I think the early church especially had it the other way, like like you would read the Sermon on the Mount and the Didache and all these things on how you follow Jesus in like real time before you even became a Christian. And we've got it all backwards. Give your heart to the Lord now. And then then you have all and then you have all these opinions on things. And it's like, wow, do you even know a transgender person? Do you even know an LGBTQ member? Have they have you wondered why they haven't talked to you or come out to you? Because maybe mm. you're not maybe you're not the safe place that you might think you are. Yeah, I love that distinction between orthopraxy and orthodoxy, and hopefully they like merge together at some point. Sure. Right? Like the whole thing, like the whole the Jesus's whole emphasis on right thinking, orthodoxy, should lead us to love your neighbor even more. Right. Right. And that is what orthopraxy looks like. It's like St. Yeah. Augustine, who didn't always get it right. Yeah. <laughs> right. But he says, if your reading of the Bible doesn't lead you to love your neighbor more then you're reading the Bible wrong. Yeah, I love that. Right. So. Yeah. So there you go. Uh, Dina says there are six different genders in Judaism. Dina, bring in the bring in the judaism and the genders that's yeah. fantastic yeah i've read about that like i think it's rabbinic judaism right they they have six and i we man it it's nice to have certain things in binary mm. um but most of the world does not operate in that way and we stay fixated on the binary instead of natural it's like really well for one it happens so it's kind of natural and for two like the nature is is very unique 
and very weird. weird. And I don't use that yes. as a pejorative. I use that in a, in a good way. Like it's weird and interesting and creative. And so why, why would, why, when it comes to human beings, are we all of a sudden like we have to be in the binary? Right. Yeah. Dina says uh, there are all kinds of shades of gray, all kinds of different colors, like yeah. the colors of the rainbow are all over. So uh, I love it. Yeah. Thank you for that. Now, Matthew, uh, if you can hold up your your book again, don't be a, I can. Don't be a dick. Is it going to be in is... reverse? But so, you no, might have... no, we, we get it. We get it. We'll, we'll get it correctly here. Yeah. So all right. uh, it's there fantastic. You Thank you for that. And uh, I am so grateful for your book. Don't be a dick because uh, it's you break either you're a dick or you're not. And we're getting into the binary, but you break the binary of the book right in the middle because Matthew, you are one of the biggest dicks I know. Uh, well, I say that in the opening. I know. <laughs> I, so a lot of the things I put in there, I mean, so this is my first attempt at like comedy in writing. And I mean, I've done, I've done comedy in like uh, writing satire for Patio. Okay. Okay. Yeah. This yeah. is my first book that is like I want to take a comedic approach, and so I think good comedy is always self-deprecating. <laughs> so there's a lot of things in there that my wife has told me that I that I you know is annoying or whatever. So I put those in there and like don't don't you know this and and then I'll say like this is I've done this before. Trust me, like it doesn't go well, you know, uh -huh. things like, that, like because I've done it. Like, um, so it's it's a cheeky look at my my own life and like how and but honestly it works because like when I'm doing things like I'm at the store and I don't want to go all the way to put something back on the shelf, but I do because I'm like, I wrote it in the book and I, and I don't want to be a hypocrite. So I walk <laughs> my lazy ass down you know, the aisle and, and I'll put it back where it belongs. That's funny. Yes. Uh, I've often been in that where I'm like, Oh man, I just grabbed this and I don't want it anymore. And then you just put it back on the shelf and I've done thank it. You. So, That's awesome. Yeah. That's awesome. <laughs> Raylene says two of my faves to follow on Facebook. Uh, so thank you for that, Raylene. Nicely done. Matthew, you're one of my favorites to, uh, follow on Facebook too, because Likewise. you like, you like to stir things up. Well, and I, I, I stirred it up a little too much, I guess, cause I'm just coming out of a 24 hour jail time. Okay. Um, on <laughs> for, Facebook for dickish behavior. No, well, no, see, this is, you know, I do have a section <laughs> on online behavior, but all I said uh -huh. was, uh, I posted something about atheism and and someone said, well, Christians, you know, it's kind of like a what about is Christians are, you know, can be dickish and idiotic. And I was like, yeah, I was like, Christians can be idiotic, just like atheists can be idiotic. And that got me banned for 24 hours because it was hate speech. And I was like, OK, come on. I don't Zuckerberg. Know. I guess if that's dickish, I mean, you know, whatever. <laughs> that's awesome. Well, you have I'll be back on soon. Well, it's it's good to it's good to have you back. You're back on now, right? It's good. Anyway, I don't know. Somewhere around eleven okay. to twelve, something. Whenever like that. Zuckerberg says you can come back on. Whenever, yeah, he's going to text yeah. me in a bit here. Okay, that sounds awesome. Well, you have your book uh, broken up into four different sections, categories. Yeah. Uh, how uh, not to be a dick in your family? Yeah. How, what are some highlights from what is what are some dickish behaviors in your family? That you, oh, that, you that I that I put in there. Okay, yeah. so um, I talk a little bit about parenting and um, to be more creative than because I said and don't use your authority as a way to um, tell your kids what to do. Um, come up with creative solutions. Be more relational in your approach. Definitely don't spank them. I'm I'm hundred percent anti spanking. Um, but then there's some other things like mundane things like put the toilet paper back, um, put it on the roll. Don't put bags back in the pantry when they're empty. Um, what do I have here? 
You know, well, let's let's talk about uh, because I love this one where you kept talk where you talk about um, don't use the phrase uh, because I said so. Yeah. What is wrong with using the phrase because I said so with children? Well, I think for the way I think of it is like it's um, it's it, it, it's a, a, a exerting your own authority over someone. Uh, because you're bigger or because you're, um, you know, you're a different type of figure. It's high. It's way too hierarchical for me. And mm. it's a, um, I forget the social worker's name, but it's a, um, she talked about power over versus power with structures. And that's a power over structure. And see what we want to do in, in healthier relationships is have a power with structure. And so I, I would propose and these are just snippets. Obviously, these would be fleshed out if it was a yeah, yeah. serious book in a lot more detail. Um, but these, you know, it's like have creative approaches to talk about what are some realistic um, kind of uh, experiential consequences that will happen if you do this. How will this? How do you think this will make me feel if you behave this way? You know, those kind of relational questions we would ask each other um, to get if you want to modify behavior. Uh, you can tell someone what to do and it may work out for a time, mm. but over, over time, I think you're going to build resentment. You're going to have rebellion and, and there's, there's good things to a certain amount of rebellion. But if you're trying to have like a relationally driven, um, you know, partnership with your kids, I think that um, you have to be a lot more creative. You have to come up with solutions together and not just be lazy and exert your authority over someone. Now you'd mentioned that uh, you are against spanking children. Yeah, but come on, Matthew. There's that passage in the Bible that says, "Spoil the." the what the what is that about the rod and the about child? The rod. Yeah. yeah, I don't have that one memorized. But um, what do you what well, do you do with that? Because I would imagine that Christians would often come after you and say, "Well, I have to spank my kids because the Bible says." Because so. the Bible says so. Well, I would point to them that even them, even they're using that as a metaphor, unless they're hitting them with an actual rod. Oh, um, so they're still they're still making a metaphor out of it. I, uh -huh. I and I would agree that it's it's a fine metaphor as long as we don't literalize it. Like it's about something about discipline, and I totally discipline my daughter in a way. I would definitely put a huge asterisk there. I I don't. There's not like punish it's not a punishment system in any sort of way but uh, but a practice of discipline like reminders and modeling you know we talk mm. about my medic theory a lot so a yeah. part of like my quote-unquote discipline would actually not look like discipline to the average christian or the average person it would be like i know i'm going to model what i think healthy behavior would be so um it's a it's a discipline in the same way that you practice something. Well, and that's the that's the problem with uh, I love how you're talking about power structures, uh, yeah. and that's the problem with saying uh, because I said so is yeah. because it models power struggle. Exactly, and it it that's part of the I, I guess the scandal of of parenting of yeah. just life in general is how often we get caught up in these power struggles with. Our, not just our children, but our spouses and sure. coworkers and things like that. And so sure. when you say, uh, because I said so, it's teaching how to get into these power struggles, which just yep. lock us into toxic relationships with one another. Yeah. I, I When I was working in group homes, I saw it all the time, especially with new staff. And I would always try to remind them, like, 
you are cutting off your nose to spite your face mm. if you are going to get in power structures with power struggles with kids and it's not going to work out well and your shift's going to suck and like it you're not going to have a good time and the same thing with our kids and the spouses and it's it's basically like you're you're passing on something to your kids that you're not going to want them to do you're not going to want your kids to be on the playground and be like go do this because i said like so you don't want them to emulate you so you better you better modify your behavior because as we know through mimetic theory that we're going to emulate the people we're around the most the people we take on as models and parents are models for their kids yeah there you go raylene raylene is brilliant raylene says wasn't the rod symbolic of scripture spare the teachings spoil the child sadly my father like many thought it meant a belt um yeah um, i go ahead no no i was just gonna i i don't even call it spanking anymore i call it hitting yeah um, because it spanking is too much of a euphemism. You're hitting your kids. And what I don't understand about spanking is that or hitting, we don't allow it in culture. We don't allow, we don't allow caretakers to hit elderly. We don't allow teachers to hit kids. Mm -hmm. We don't allow kids to hit kids, uh, on the, on, on a baseball team or on a dance team or, but when it comes, but, but get inside the home. And if you're the parent, you can hit your kid. That to me is the most like backwards type of thinking I've ever heard of. Yeah. And that has far more to do with a parent's inability to control our, to, to manage our own yeah. emotions. And it just needs an outlet. And the only way we've been taught is to have that outlet be in a form of violence. And we say it's for your own good. This hurts me so much more than it hurts you. Right. Talk about like dickish parenting behavior. <laughs> um, Raylene, I, I'm stuck. I, I, I don't think that I've heard that the rod is symbolic of scripture. The closest thing that I can think about with that is that canon, like the canon of scripture, right, is from the word read. Uh, and a read might also be like a, a rod that you can spank someone with i guess uh but the reed was like the measurement stick for what gets in ca the canon and what doesn't so mm. that might be the connection i don't know i'm kind of uh grasping at straws there but um that's a i would have to look into that more that's cool uh dina says and it teaches the child to strike out physically to punish others that's yeah that's exactly it dina it um that's what you're teaching children when you spank them that it's okay to hit and to punish yeah. Yeah, I, um, so. I actually, uh, I did a long time ago, back in the, back in the day, as the, as the kids say, um, when I first started writing, and I was writing for the Raven Foundation, and I wrote something on spanking, and I witnessed something where a sibling hit, their, you know, a kid hit their sibling, and the mom hit the kid on the hand and said, "We don't hit." <laughs> and, and then I I looked at it through a mimetic lens, and it's like, well, no, I think you've probably hit your kids before, and kids might hit each other without taking their parents on as models, but you're certainly modeling for them that yes, it's okay to hit as long as you're bigger and in a place of authority. So mm -hmm. that kid, what they're learning is once they're in a place of authority, it's okay to use punitive violence or, 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 or punitive measures to get what they want. Yep, absolutely. And, and you can see how this is not just about family systems, but also about community, uh, aspects national aspects and international relations like we are caught in a system where the only way to solve problems on a international scale 
is through threats of war or acts of war. Yep. Um, and we're seeing that now. Uh, hopefully it will de-escalate. And uh, I think, anyway, we don't need to get into international politics right now, but we've got some more comments. Uh, this is fun. So, hey, Michael, good to see you, my friend. Melanie says, um, oh, uh, let's see. Pat says, incredible, excellent parenting advice, model and hitting and not spanking. Yeah. Uh, Melanie, I'm glad you can see the comments. Um, uh, so um, let's see. Rebecca says the rod was for guidance. I've heard not striking light guidance like a guardrail on a cliff. Yeah, uh, that could be. Just don't hit your kids with anything. A rod, a reed, your hand, whatever, right? <laughs> so, hit them with, with some logic. <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Gwendolyn says no hitting allowed here. Good job, Gwendolyn. I. Yeah. I I got in a power struggle with my middle child because before he would we would go to school, mm -hmm. uh, he had to put his shoes on and he refused to put his shoes on, and I would like I remember him running away from me because I would have his shoes and he would get on the other side of the dining room table and uh -huh. I would run this way and he would run that way and he's like four and I'm like why. Why am I in this power struggle with this four-year-old? Yeah. And so the greatest piece of advice that I got was from Suzanne Ross at, at Raven. Yeah. And Suzanne goes, Adam, just tell him 15 minutes before he needs to put his shoes on that he's going to have to put his shoes on in 15 minutes. And like when there's five minutes left, because he just needs to be prepared. Yeah. And so I was like, oh my gosh, like I know I didn't spank him. Thank God. Uh, but I was like chasing him. Uh, but all I needed to do was give him some preparation because nobody likes to be told what to do, especially if they're not ready for it. Right. Exactly. Yeah. So a little preparation is helpful. Um, yep. Yeah. Melanie, I've told that story before. That's funny. <laughs> so uh, Michael agrees and disagrees. I'd love to hear more about that, Michael. That's good stuff. Um, Dina says, I had to overcome what I'd been taught as a parent. Uh, to my foster child, it became a need for me to think, daddy, you're not parenting this child. I am. That's, that's interesting. Like changing the, stopping the cycles of mm. parenting. Yeah. And it, and it doesn't mean we shame our parents and it doesn't no. mean we shame our grandparents. It just means like, there's this, uh, uh, there's this idea like in science that we stand on the shoulders of others. Yeah. And so, it, it, I have to expect that, I mean, I'm certainly going to do better than my dad who left when I was little and blamed me. So that's a pretty low bar for me. to. <laughs> but so that's my goal, right? I'm going to do better than that. But, but I expect if my daughter grows up and decides to have children herself, that she's going to have to undo a little bit of, of the, the shit that I, you know, brought into her life. And, and so the, and the goal is to continual, continually do better as we go throughout generations and and to make headway we don't have to get it perfect like i hope i don't shame anyone with my book that's not my intentions at all it's just to be less of a dick today than you were yesterday and that that's it like we have the concept of repentance and changing mm -hmm. our minds and changing our thinking habits and changing our patterns you know in in christianity but so let's let's just do it let's just have that as our focus like we're going to change and we're going to be better and we don't expect perfection. It's not a, we're not grading on a curve of a hundred, but we're going to do better. And hopefully, you know, future generations will continue to do better and better and better. 
That's awesome. Uh, so we've talked a lot about uh, family. Um, your next one, it, your next section is about coworkers. Yeah. What are some highlights about uh, coworkers in the, in the workplace? Oh, well, I, I start out with um, talking to businesses first and foremost, that if you respect employees, you know, you have to pay them. And, and we have this, we see this, and it's not just corporations, like huge corporations, but it is huge corporations, of course, like talking about gas prices, like you yeah. can't talk about gas prices without talking about gas companies having record profits. So, it, you know, so we see, we see this, but we see this on a local level too. You know, in California, uh, I'm not going to throw shade to, I, I, you know, I have a couple jobs. I'm not going to throw shade and mention them by name, but there are, you know, one company that I work for has decided that $16 an hour um, is is livable wage. But if you look at California, it's $23 an hour is a livable wage. Mm. And of course, like $15, $16 an hour in Kansas or Oklahoma might be great. But in California, like <laughs> you can't, you can't yeah. get a, a studio apartment for under like a thousand. Um, so you have to, you have to, if you respect people and you value their work, especially people that have been at a company for two, three, four, five, ten 10 years, mm -hmm. they obviously have shown their loyalty. Like you have to pay your employees. So I, I talk about that. Um, but then I talk about like some more practical things too, because like just to make your work environment better, like take out your own trash. Like, um, if, if you, if you, uh, drink the last of the coffee, like, make another pot or ask others if they want more coffee. Don't just leave it empty. Mm -hmm, um, mm -hmm. You know, I talk about public restrooms, like it's a public place, like make it like, make it as home like as you can, because you don't want to have to clean up after your coat, like all this kind of like practical day to day stuff that we kind of need reminders of, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I, you, your next section is community and you tell a story about how you were like um, volunteering to clean up on the side of the road. And some guy yeah. threw a seven up bottle at you. Yeah. 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 During the very start of COVID, I was out of most of my work because we like shut down for like a couple months, like not fully shut down. I was still working, but like I lost one part of my job, like the, you know, the office kind of stuff. And um, so I decided to like clean up trash on, on a highway. And mm. um, which so I talk about littering in the book, like like I hate littering more than more than most anything. Um, but yeah, someone hit, they didn't hit me with a seven up bottle, but all of a sudden you hear that sound of a boink, 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 boink oh. down the highway. And I'm just like, really? And I oh. went and picked it up and I was like, it was this empty seven up bottle. I was just Ouch. like, wow. So don't do that. Don't do that. People, you don't need to be told you're people listening. Don't need to be told that, but uh, right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, that's awesome. What are some other like, uh, oh, so Amber, uh, I didn't, I didn't catch the full comment, but Amber said earlier, uh, about her church community and how mm. she, it might've been with the spanking uh, issue that we were talking about earlier, but how she would um, kind of bring these things up and her church community, all, a lot of us have experienced this. Um, her church community rejected her uh, mm. or she felt rejected by her church community and had to move on. How do you, how do you be, how do you create a church environment, a church community uh, where we're not dicks to one another? Oh, you tell me. You're the clergy. 
<laughs> I don't know. I don't go to church any longer because of that. Like, oh, what was your experience with that? With church? Yeah. How long you got? <laughs> Let's go. Let's go. Well, so I was I was in a an environment that was. I mean, I'm watching like this Hillsong doc right now, and I'm yeah. listening to the rise and fall of Mars Hill. And I'm thinking, okay, this is the big scale stuff that we all hear about. The Carl Lentz, the Brian Houston's, the Mark Driscoll's. But then I'm like, this is all the same sort of energy of all the other churches. Like not all of them. I know, I know. I mean, obviously you're not doing this kind of stuff at your church. Um, but it's the same kind of thing, like where there's a, um, there's like power dynamics. Yeah. There's, there's power struggles. There's get in line. Yep. You know, Mark Driscoll has this kind of infamous sort of like analogy. You either get on the bus, you get ran over by the bus. Um, and I'm like, that's, that's, that was my experience. I mean, you know me, like I, I was asking questions at some point, you know, I was, I was leading worship. I was on all the teams. I was like the utility infielder because I played four instruments. So they moved, I was on teams forever to like my twenties. Yeah. Eventually I, 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 <laughs> the last time I played, I didn't quit for like theological things. I quit for creative. I was like, they wanted to play Here Comes the Sun by the Beatles, but S-O-N. And I was like, nope, I'm out. I'm done. This is the kitschiest shit I've ever had. I can't do it. I'm not, I quit oh, on the spot. I was like, I'm not playing. You get a drummer for the, get a drummer for the weekend. Yeah. I'm not, <laughs> but anyway, that's just a funny story. Um, so I was really involved, but then, you know, when you start asking these questions, I was told by one pastor, if you keep asking this question, yes, we will officially excommunicate you kick you out and so because i didn't fall in line with you know i was like what are, people burn in hell forever you know my grandfather's like not a christian so you're telling me like this i was asking all the questions are you sure the rapture like this scared the crowd that just doesn't seem like you know i found out the rapture was invented in the 1830s you know and i was like why didn't y'all tell me that like <laughs> you know so i'm saying stuff and it's like nope you got to get on the you got to get on on the bus or get ran over basically um, so that, that was my experience. And, and I don't, I don't have the answer because I don't think it's a church or a Christian thing. I think it's a human thing that when we even get any semblance of power, it goes to our head. Mm. I mean, take it outside of the religious, like look at how many HOA boards like tell you, you can't put that rock there on your yard or they get like the tiniest little bit of power. And all of a sudden people are at power trips and they have horror stories of HOAs or whatever the case may be. And it's like, Man, we just we get any sort of grip of that power. It's uh, it's why I, it's one reason why I love like Tolkien so much. I think that ring is such an analogy. Like we even get a grasp of it, and instantly we're on that trajectory toward completely, completely being a dick. Yeah, we've got uh, a bunch of comments. Um, Jenny, uh, thank you, thank you, Jenny. Jenny says. Um, I Jenny says, this is like the best compliment that I can get. So Jenny says, I think you have at least an idea of how not to be a dick. So thank you, Jenny. It's, it's self-aware. I think that's one of the things that's so important is this kind of concept of coming to some self-awareness about yeah. the ways in which we get caught up into systems and power dynamics, like this ring of power that just feels so much bigger than ourselves. And yeah. so how do you 
how do you continually become self-aware of the traps that are laid out there so that we don't step into them that lead us to more dickish behavior? I think it's constant practice. You can't expect to play piano like Chopin tomorrow. You have to practice, right? So the same thing with contemplation, with being present in the moment, with um, it's a practice and it's it's a diligent practice and it's it takes it takes work and it's a grind and and just like just like anything and it's um uh I was gonna say something maybe it was semi profound but probably not but yeah other uh, it's just being aware all the time yeah of of our patterns of our behaviors it's and, and because you're right it's like it's like that that scene before the crucifixion like you know the rooster will crow three times and peter doesn't even realize it happens until the third time so he's he's on autopilot for the first two you'd think oh if you're reading it like well once it one crows you'd be like oh he should pay attention but i don't i think we're literal we're being too literal about the story the point i think of the story is that we don't realize what we're doing until oh shit something happened right like oh dang i was i was on autopilot and i think we have to be constantly available wherever we're at, like, like right now, this conversation is what I'm doing. So my mind can't be elsewhere. It's got to be right here, talking to people, talking to you and just being practicing all that all the time and in the most mundane, because that's to quote the office, there's beauty in ordinary things. Like we, mm. the, the beauty of the world is in the, the most mundane, you know, day-to-day -day things. Uh, Sandra says, uh, Tom Bombadil was the only person in Middle Earth who could resist the ring. Frodo let him hold it. Tom took it and gave it back. He is my hero from Tolkien. Yes, well, that's uh, also why he was of no help to them, because he would have probably misplaced it. That's awesome. From that's one good. Tolkien nerd to the other. So uh, here's so here's here's a question that's coming up to me. Um, when you find yourself in these patterns of behavior that are not healthy uh that are that are dickish ha and you become self-aware of it mm. from some experience the cock crows the third time uh how do you i mean it's amazing to me that jesus comes back to peter and yeah. the first words out of his mouth in the resurrection after peter has been a dick to him ultimate yeah. dick to him are words of peace peace be with you yeah these are the first words that jesus comes back and offers right. forgiveness right. so when you get caught up in these things like you've been a dick before i've been a dick before how do you move forward in a way of forgiveness like the whole thing of christianity largely is being able to forgive yeah. how do you forgive yourself after after all of these experiences that that's hard because we're taught we're taught in in many religious circles Maybe we're not taught, but we're taught through experience that, you know, we have to feel guilty and shame. And I think just realizing that, like, the point, the point of life is not to get to some place necessarily, though I think we're going to some place or we're going, there's some, there's some telos, right? There's some sort of end of something. Yeah. But to miss the journey along the way, I think is to miss the point. And so we have to realize that in any sort of journey setting, in any sort of adventure, 
that there's ebbs and flows and and to find people with whom you want to go through life with that can be vulnerable without judging with you know to so uh, vulnerability is important mm-hmm. um but we have to, i think we also have to have boundaries too with people that we're not comfortable with being vulnerable around those who aren't safe places you know those who are gonna heap shame upon us you know so um i think it's important to surround ourselves with people who are who can realize that you're a dick i'm a dick now let's work on it together yeah. and it's okay and not and not hold grudges and not hold on to pain and trauma and things and just you know be able to be vulnerable with one another yeah while keeping uh boundaries uh, yeah. as you say yeah absolutely yeah. dina has your next book idea by the way uh okay, now, now you need to write a book called how to deal with people being dicks <laughs> so well you give it right back to them no yeah right i <laughs> don't want to do that that's awesome patty says accept your mistakes and apologize if it helps move on jesus forgives us beautiful uh melanie says boundaries really give me peace i love it there's um i one of our uh i know you've interviewed richard Rohr before um i uh, yes and yes. one of the, on the back. Yeah, it's, it's i'm patting you on the back too my friend that's awesome <laughs> um on the heretic happy hour so go check yeah. out the heretic happy hour uh for more matthew um great interview that you did with him uh he wrote a book called falling upwards yes and he makes the case that in order to grow spiritually you have to fall you have to have these moments where you miss the mark um which is just what the word sin means where you where you've failed uh along the journey where we might say in this conversation you have to have moments where you've been a dick yeah in order to grow spiritually so this i think is one of the also one of the things like we can tend to think that like we are the worst thing that we have ever done Mm -hmm. and we're defined by that and forget that we've all done some pretty bad thing we've all had this kind of dickish behavior uh and that's not to normalize it uh that's not to justify it but it's to say that it seems as though according to richard Rohr, that the only way to grow spiritually for some reason is to fall uh and hopefully you're going to fall upward i guess is the point of his book right it's like peter the only way that peter could experience the grace of god was by going through the experience of failing yeah if you don't fail you don't need grace right right yeah yeah um and and that's a hard thing to to realize but like if you use analogies like i used to play hockey you can't learn to skate unless you fall down because you're going to fall down if you don't fall down, you haven't tried, right? Yep. So again, there's balance here. You don't want to swing the pendulum too far and like justify your dickishness by, well, I'm just trying to earn my grace here. <laughs> you know, uh, you don't want to do that. But, you know, with some balance, you have to realize like through all your mistakes, like the real mistake, I mean, this sounds cliche, but the real mistake is not learning from them. Yeah. Yeah, good. Uh, Michael has a long comment, but I wanted to, (laughs) Michael said, I agree and disagree. So I wanted to bring him in. So uh, Michael, this goes back to spanking. Michael says, I was spanked a lot as a child, but I did not grow up with the desire to spank. No one's rearing is exactly alike and no person or child receives 
and responds to things the same. That's true. Yeah. For me, it starts with communication, knowing and working to understand the person you are dealing with. I believe conversation and logic go a long way, but some people don't respond to conversation and logic. I have dealt with children who soak up my words and everything clicks, but with others, uh, you offer logic, you offer reason, you offer sympathy, and you offer compassion, yet they take all of it and spit it back in your face. They choose to be defiant. I have found at times a strategic smack on the hand and the butt curbs the defiance. It is a case by case and not something that should be applied willy nilly. I agree with that. That's awesome. Afterwards, begin with logic and conversation again and explain how things were escalated to this point. Nine times out of 10, the behavior is reduced, not perfect, but moving in the desired direction. It reminds me, my my dad, thank you for that, Michael. Um, it's complicated. Parenting is just really, really hard. And really? Uh, whatever tools we have to do it the best way that we can, um, amen to that. Uh, my, I have an older brother who was just a real jerk uh, to me uh, when I was growing up. And uh, my dad would say that he could break every bone on my brother's body. <laughs> And he would just keep doing it. <laughs> and so sometimes like our, I don't know, our, just the way that we're, we're made or something just, just, it, it's just growing up is hard and parenting is hard and the less judgment that we can have, the better. And the more we can move on towards nonviolent parenting. And as math is, mm -hmm. as Michael says, Developing more and more nonviolent tools as we parent is pro is the way to go. So it's just really hard. Um, Amber says, "I, uh, how do you deal with people that continue to be dicks and won't repent or acknowledge anything?" Um, very defined boundaries. Um, you don't want to, you know, th this whole notion of forgiveness and grace is not juxtaposed, you know, or, or not synonymous, I should say, with being a doormat. Um, I think first and foremost, when we forgive someone, we forgive for our for ourselves mm -hmm. so that we don't hold resentment and grudges in our bodies, which can cause actual like physiological damage, right? Stress, we know what stress does to the heart, to the, to the mind, to the body. Um, so, but that doesn't mean that just because we forgive someone that we allow them to continue to hurt us. To forgive someone, you don't, it doesn't mean you have to trust them. Um, you know, I've forgiven my father for not being there, but I don't trust him and I'm not going to be vulnerable with him. So you have to learn how to set up boundaries. And if you need help with that, um, you know, you, you see a clinician, a licensed social worker, a marriage and family therapist and you work on those boundary issues so that you know how to put up boundaries and not let the person take advantage of you beautiful thank you uh going back to the falling upward conversation with richard war melanie says yes just like the prodigal son had to go through his failures and dickish behaviors to get closer to god um that's beautiful example melanie uh thank you for that um Sometimes Melanie says you cut them out of your life if you must. It's like when Jesus says, sometimes you got to shake the dust off of your feet and move on. Right. Yeah. 
Yeah. So. And I mean, it's like, it's like when he says I came to divide families, like he doesn't literally come to divide families, but the message that some of us, the message he preaches, the message some people preach and, and teach and believe in is going to naturally sever ties with people who aren't ready for that or aren't willing to accept that or aren't open to that. And that and we see that all the time. Um, beautiful. I, the last, uh, section that you have is how not to be a dick online. And I want to read this quote because this quote from that section is, I think the prime example or the, yeah, the, the prime thing that I need to remind myself and your book is so helpful to remind myself of too, in every aspect of my life. So you write this on, uh, the laugh reactions. <laughs> so oh, sometimes yeah. Sometimes, why would you put a laugh reaction on someone when you're like mocking them or something? Yeah. Right. Right. Um, so you write this. We are in a time in which tensions are high. Divisions cut across just about every section of society. Misinformation abounds. So the last thing we need right now are behaviors that further alienate large proportion, large portions of the population. Clicking the laugh reaction is one of these. Instead, ask people questions. And this is one of like, I think the key tools that you give in the book that is so helpful to me is that oftentimes uh, my initial reaction to something that I think somebody has, that has said that's stupid mm -hmm. is to basically do uh, a laugh emoji, a metaphorical yeah. laugh emoji or, yeah. or the middle finger or something like yeah. that. Yeah. But you give uh, tools of, going deeper and asking questions and yeah. when you like give the laugh emoji or the middle finger it doesn't work to soften anyone's no. heart let alone no. our own right so what are right. some what are those what are some tools that you can provide us with in the book that lead us to something better than just laughing at someone or well i write that because i used to do that and and i'm tempted to from time to time because I mean, you know, I have some of the best trolls and haters out there. I mean, I, I rival, I rival the best. <laughs> mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, 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 and some of them are legitimately funny. Yeah. Some of the things people say, and I think it's okay to, I think it's, it's healthy. It's healthy to laugh. So I, I still laugh to myself when people say things, because if I don't, if I internalize it, I could, you know, you can go to dark places yeah. with the things people say to you. So I have to laugh it off. I have to, Tell my wife, like, hey, this is what someone said. Uh, she doesn't find it as funny, but I do. <laughs> but but then but then before you react in that way, you know, the, if you're up for having a dialogue with someone, some people, you just you just, I just use block and move on. You put that boundary there. If they say, you're, you know, if, they, if they're homophobic, you know, they say I'm going to go to hell because I'm bi like I. I don't deal with that. Any, I just put up the healthy boundary. But if someone is um, legitimately saying something that might be stupid or something that you want to mock, but they, but maybe you try to read the heart behind it and try to ask them like, or try to keep in mind, I think that a lot of us as different as we are, we have a lot of similarities. Like, so if I think of someone who's totally different, maybe they're super religious, they go to church every, every week, they're super conservative. I bet I can find 10 things that, that, you know, celebrate differences, but I bet I can find 10 things that we can resonate with. You know, I bet you can, maybe you like both like sports or gardening or, 
um, you like the same team or it's something you can kind of be like, Hey, like we're not that different. Like we are and we aren't. So it's that balance. Like I, I try to see everyone with that. Like I think of my parents, like I'm pretty close with my parents, my mom, my stepdad, but we're really different on a lot of things, but we're also really the same on a lot of things. Like we both like to hike. We both, you know, we, you know, all these kind of things that we can find common ground on. And instead, we, as a culture, we've done this thing where you're either a Republican or a Democrat. You're either on that team or this team, or you're a Christian or a non-Christian, or you're, you know, gay or you're straight, or all these things that we can divide over rather than saying, hey, I mean, like, I, I got into it with someone on on Pathios. Uh, he was also, he, he writes for the Evangelical Channel. Turns out we were both like Tolkien nerds. So mm. at least there was something we could be like, hey, we at least have something we can, you know, some commonality, you know, we're not totally alien from each other. Beautiful. Awesome. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about your other book that came out recently because it, I, it's both books have something to do with each other. The other book is the Genesis of violence, which goes over, uh, the book of Genesis. And it's, yeah. it's a beautiful book. You have done the writing in it and, yeah. Uh, Zach Parsons has done the the art. Um, yeah. I I wrote the forward, by the way. How about you, that? Was, you did. Yeah, was, you... it was an okay forward. But look at this. This all. Thanks for this... giving me your best, Adam. I know, right? That's good. Uh, <laughs> so there's just this beautiful art in here, uh, and one of the things that we can tend to miss about the Book of Genesis is that it is full of dickish behavior it is full of yeah. family dynamics like yeah. you like right from the beginning yeah you find conflict and even violence uh yeah. within family settings uh and so the book of genesis is very honest and real about how difficult and painful life can be uh yeah. often because of the behavior that we're talking about yeah yeah, right off. I mean, you, you can get through the first chapter of Genesis and you're pretty unscathed. But right uh. when you get into that second narrative, like it goes downhill pretty quickly. And it and but it's so. It's so prophetic in the Jewish way. I'm not I, I'm not saying it predicts anything, but it's right. prophetic in that this is the pattern of behavior we always seem to find ourselves in. Because really, like historically, they're looking back and writing a narrative. Right. Um, they're not they're not sitting there with a tablet being like oh god just showed up and now there's us now we're here and uh we had some kids you know they're looking back and creating a narrative and so how are they going to tell that story i think they nailed the head like it nail on the head yeah you know there's rivalry there's jealousy there's pointing fingers at one another there's lying there's manipulation um it escalates it, it escalates so much so that the it says the entire world or the entire earth was filled with corruption and violence. You know, it starts with uh, what a, a, a boy hits. Um, uh, help me. What's his name? Can um, enable Lamech. Lamech. Oh, Lamech. Yeah. 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 And within within six generations, the entire world is filled with violence. Yeah. So it, right. You get one you get one smack on the cheek or one scratch. And then in six generations, everyone's killing everyone. And it's like, yeah, that seems to be about the pattern. Uh -huh. 
<laughs> that seems about right. So, I, you know, if we literalize it, we miss the point. That's a, you know, when people ask, right. is Genesis about uh, creation or evolution? I'm like, ah, put me to sleep. Seriously. Like, if, if you're asking that question, like you're, you're, you're asking the wrong questions. Seriously. Yeah. Um, and it's often about sibling rivalry. I mean, these family dynamics, totally. it's, it's just full 100%. of it. What, uh, I mean, and we're, as we've been going through the comments and the conversations, like the solutions to this, like yeah. you also find that in the book of Genesis as well. Yeah. And it's really difficult. Yeah. Like at some point, Joseph has to end the game. Jacob and Esau, at some point, one of them has to end the game that's going on, right? So you have to take the first, and the first step is what's really difficult. The first step to break the pattern. And, and it's like now, okay, so how does that apply now? You have to be the first step. The, you have to take the first step to cut off gossip. Mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and, and that's really difficult, right? Because we're all mimetic. We all want to, and, and it brings us together. If you and I have beef, but we can agree that that guy over there is worse, you and I can be like, well, let's go get a drink, yep. <laughs> right? Yep. So we have to we have to break that pattern, and someone has to be first, and it, it's hard to be first to end that that cycle. Yep, absolutely. Uh, going back to the laugh uh, reaction, George says the laugh reaction emoji when used to mock or express uh let's see disdain towards someone with whom you disagree is cruel yes it is everyone who has been a victim of bullying knows that and that's that's for sure thank you for that george uh jake i don't know what happened there uh got george's comment but thank you for for reiter reiterating that jason peter says got a question uh don't know if there's a definite answer oh uh jason go ahead and put it in we'll try to get to it we just got a couple minutes left uh but jason if you've got a question let's let's bring that in so um well, as jason is doing that uh matthew how can uh how, how can people uh keep up with you and your work um I think as of now on Facebook again. Okay. Let's... <laughs> well, I'll try when I get off. Um, once I'm out of jail. Uh, yeah, I mean, I'm on all the socials, Instagram, Twitter. I'm even on TikTok, though. I don't I don't grind on TikTok like you do. Oh, my goodness. Um, I don't I don't quite get the appeal yet. Yeah. Um, it's... But, um, so I'm on all the socials. Uh, my website is allsetfree.com. Uh, and of course, there you can link to everything that I do, including my Pathios blog and all the different projects that, um, but yeah, just follow me on Facebook is when I'm most active and with, with this kind of stuff, Instagram's more like, Hey, my daughter won a dance competition. I'm going to show some pictures or, you know, whatever. Okay. Um, let's see, Jason, uh, got his question in, uh, Jason, um, contact me uh contact me personally if you want to talk about this more um jason's question has to do with a family friend um and asks does suicide equal hell uh family slash friends have passed uh this way in jason's life and they had gone through a lot i don't know if you want to yeah, talk about uh, that yeah i mean it's obviously a uh heavy question that you could spend you know dissertations on yeah um so in no way is anything that i say some sort of like you know huge you know expanded answer that it deserves but i uh 
if God is love, there is, there's no fear, you know? So like, I think people were already in hell if they took their own life. And I don't believe in a God who then piles on punishment. Um, and, and I personally believe in the restoration of all things. And so there's, there's nothing that keeps us, um, from, from the mercy and the grace of God, as I think Paul says, or pseudo Paul, at least, right. <laughs> um, anything that we say about God, his God's mercy is wider and broader and deeper than even anything we can articulate. So, uh, in the end, I think all will be well. I think that was Madeline Langle who said something about that. Julian of Norwich, the great Julian of Norwich, all shall be well. Everything shall go. be well. All shall be well. Yeah. No, my Jason, uh, again, contact me if you want to talk some more. Uh, but my Matthew gave a beautiful answer. Uh, yeah, that's Romans chapter eight, where Paul says that nothing in this world, neither life nor death, nor powers nor principalities, he just keeps going on. Nothing yeah. in this world can right. separate us from the love of God. So, and Jason, as as Matthew's saying, uh, and as you say, your your friends and family went through a lot. God knows that. God knows. Yeah. God knows, and doesn't hold it against them. Um, yeah. So, Jason, feel free to contact me. Um, Carmen says, all will be well, so be it. Amen, Carmen. Matthew, thank you. It is always a pleasure and a joy to talk with you. I highly recommend uh, these books. Um, don't be a dick, everybody. And <laughs> Genesis. Pick it up. And, and and I am working on an audible version of this. So oh, fantastic. Fantastic. When I, I don't know how long it'll take. But this, this is so what, right now, Kindle and paperback right now. This is what, your 25th book that you've written? No. Okay. <laughs> this is your eighth book that you've written. So, eighth book, um, yeah, eighth book. So, do you have another book in store for us in the near future? Oh, I got so many. I have yeah. a follow up to Heretic. I have uh, I have a book called Learning to Float, where it's kind of my deconstruction story that I wrote with Michelle Collins, oh, who nice. kind of interviewed me because she's a doctoral candidate for okay. psychology. So we kind of took a that kind of route. Um, I have a book under a pen name. <laughs> That's a satire book, okay. and I'm not unveiling what that's all about yet. Okay. It's hilarious. Um, what else do I have? Oh, and I have a book that I'm really excited about that I'm editing uh, with a ton of contributors. Um, uh, uh, it's It looks through the lens of Joseph Campbell and talks about The Office. So I'm a huge Office fan and geek. And so I'm editing a collection of essays where contributors talk about the hero journey of all the different characters. I'm super That's, stoked about that. Can't wait. Yeah. Can't super wait. Fun. Beautiful yeah. stuff. Thank you everybody for being here. Uh, thank you for your comments and your questions. Uh, yes, thank you. Uh, Michael, thank you for, for that. Uh, long comment about spanking uh, and all of the, it's families dynamics are just tough. Parenting is hard and let's all have more grace. Yeah, more, more grace, grace, more compassion, more empathy. And less dickish behavior. Let's yeah. go with that. You can <laughs> so. have a dick, just don't be a dick. Okay, all right. Well, on that note, friends, thank you for being here. And uh, we will do this all again next week, uh, Thursday at 11 o'clock Pacific. 
uh, One Question with Pastor Adam. Thank you for being here. Uh, you can keep up with all of the episodes of One Question with Pastor Adam on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. If you could leave me a five-star review and a comment that's like, hey, best podcast ever, I would be so happy. It would be awesome. So, friends, until next week, grace and peace be with you.